What's good, everybody, and welcome to Kinda Funny Games Daily for Thursday, June 20th, 2019. I'm Andrea Renee, joined by, do we still call you the verified one now that Greg is verified too? You can call me whatever you want, you know what I mean? Call me uh, Timmy and the Timmy Cool Kid, if you wanted to. Timmy Cool Kid. Timmy Cool Kid. Timmy Cool Kid. Timmy Gettys is here, everybody. June 20th, you just said. That means I'm 10 days away from my 30th birthday. Woo, you it's feeling, it's is that feeling exciting? Real. Yeah, it, it is exciting. Um, the one thing I'm not excited about is all the, because like, I'm never going to let the 30 under 30 thing die. Yeah. But it's going to be, you know, everyone's going to make the joke of like, you're like, no longer oh, you're, under, you're 30. Not under thirty. It's like yeah, yeah but, but you still like, got it, dude. It's, it's a whole thing. It's like you're my still friend, Forbes thirty under thirty. Tim Gettys. I get that, but I bet you every single person. Oh, well, uh, just like we grew up, my friend uh, was named True, mm-hmm. and we couldn't meet anyone without him being like, uh, "Can I call you false?" And it's like you're not funny, and oh, I hate wow. you. I didn't even think of that joke. That's it's a bad, bad joke. It's a bad joke. It's horrible. Mm, yeah. Kids, kids make yeah. dumb jokes. I'm happy to be here no, with you today, Andrea. Yeah, this is uh, fantastic. I feel like I haven't done this show with you, especially with you in that seat. In I think we've only long. done this one other time like oh, this. I'm just, I'm here for the ride. I love it. Yeah. So if you missed it, this of course is kind of funny. Games Daily, your source for nerdy video game news in the morning, each and every weekday. We ask you guys to join us live at Twitch.tv/slash Kind of Funny Games. And if you are watching live, we ask you to also help keep us honest by letting us know what we screwed up as we screwed it up by heading to kindoffunny.com/slash You're Wrong. But if you can't watch it live, no biggie. You can find us on your favorite podcast service around the globe or at YouTube.com/slash Kind of Funny Games. And if you want to take a one step further and participate and be part of the show. Patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames is where you get all of those fancy links where you can send us your questions, you can send us your squad up requests, or maybe if you just want to, you know, give another kind of funny best friend a shout out, you could probably do that there too. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. Man. It's really limitless potential. Exactly. Um, we have a few pieces of housekeeping before we get into the Roper Report. Um, I want to remind you guys that I announced this on Tuesday that I'm going to be streaming as part of Guardian Con's St. Jude's Charity Marathon. And I'm going to be doing that from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. Pacific time tomorrow night. That's Friday, June 21st. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Guardian Con. Fran was there last night with the, um, uh, the Destiny uh, podcast crew. And we are going to be hosting it... On the kind of funny games Twitch channel as well as the What's Good Games Twitch channel. So there's a couple different chat rooms you could be in, but the main chat will be at Guardian Com. Um, uh, Fran was like the the opener. You guys are the main event. Exactly. Exciting stuff. Don't tell Fran that though. Tell Fran that. Uh, thank you to our Patreon producers Daniel Massey, Black Jack, Colton Yoder, and Muhammad Muhammad. And today Muhammad. we're brought to you by Grubhub, Brooklyn, and Equipa. We're going to tell you more about that later. For now, let's get into what is and forever will be the Roper Report. Time for some news. Three items on the Rover Report. Oh, Baker's Dozen. Kevin was ready today. Like, he had that mic in front of him. He was waiting to do his little doot doot doots, beep beep beeps, whatever you want to call them. Uh, we are continuing our post-E3 hangover, as Greg has been calling it all week, with some appetizer light news. Nothing super heavy hitting this week, which is actually not bad because it means we'll get to more of your questions and reader mail. Uh, but the first, first thing I want to talk about actually dropped yesterday after the show, and it's about Bungie overhauling Destiny 2's Eververse in-game store. So this write-up comes from our friends over at Polygon. Ahead of Destiny 2's Shadow Keep, Bungie's Luke Smith announced changes to the game's cosmetic-only Eververse store. With the Armor 2.0 system coming in Shadowkeep, Smith announced that all Eververse armor will 
convert to a new system called Universal Ornaments. Instead of pieces of armor that come with their own perks, Eververse Loot will be able to change the look of any existing legendary armor piece in the game. This is effectively a new transmog system for Destiny Armor where the look of the piece is agnostic from the perks. Smith mentioned that the team has always struggled with what kinds of perks to put on Eververse Armor, not wanting the game to seem pay to win. Players who've already earned a ton of Eververse items over the past two years of Destiny 2 will retroactively unlock older armor ornaments. Bright Dust is also changing this fall, and Bright Dust is currently used to buy items from the store, and players will earn it by completing specific bounties and dismantling random Eververse items. In the fall, Eververse items won't dismantle into Bright Dust anymore, and players won't need to spend Bright Dust to pull Eververse items out of their collection. Finally! So Starting with <laughs> Shadow Keep, players will earn Bright Dust through a variety of activities like Gambit, Crucible, and Vanguard bounties and players can still use the currency to buy from tests, rotating Eververse selection each week. If players want to buy something directly from the store without waiting for the rotation, they'll still need to buy and spend silver, which is Destiny's real money premium currency, to do it. Of course, as a reminder, Shadowkeep from Destiny 2 and these changes will launch on September 17th for PS4, Windows PC, and Xbox One, and Google Stadium's version won't arrive until later in the year. What does this do for you? Uh, this is super exciting. They've needed to overhaul Eververse for quite some time. When they announced the transmog-like system that they were working with, with the new armor changes coming to Shadowkeep, I was very excited because I've said for a long time that it feels like this constant chase for gear is somewhat meaningless when they announce a new expansion or a new, a new season of content because now they've raised the light level and the gear that you worked so hard to earn is essentially unusable because you now have to chase the next piece of gear. And I have some really cool looking armor sets in my vault that I would love to be able to transmog and in keep the look of and then apply the new stats of the other armor that I'm getting in the new content drop. So it's very exciting that they're doing that. I think it's smart of them to take away all of the attributes that are in the Eververse store items because as Luke said here, they want to eliminate a pay-to-win scenario, particularly in the PvP section of Destiny. So I think that's um, making it all ornaments so that you can apply it to other types of armor systems is is really smart. But basically, the transmog is overdue in Destiny. So this is all good stuff. Yeah, I've been looking to transmog a couple things myself. Oh, yeah? Yeah, you have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, this sounds good. I'm very interested in Bungie's kind of separation from Activision and the choices that they're making and how quickly or how long it's going to take them to kind of really come into their own and really own their product again, you know? Because I feel like these are all steps that sound like they're very community-focused and the the things that the good guys would do, quote-unquote. Right. Um, and I'm just interested in, in what that's going to do for Destiny 2, more specifically for Destiny 3, um, or whatever the next game is. But I feel like, you know, we've been seeing a lot with the games as a service, um, looking at the first division kind of growing over the, the the year and a half or whatever after it came out of like from what it was to what it became and then seeing what um, Division 2 was. Um, looking at this, I feel like they're kind of putting out the foundation for for what's next. And right. I think that's going to be, that's really good. You know, I th- feel like that's good for the players at the end of the day that they care about half these words that I've never heard before. <laughs> well, when you're dealing with in-game currencies for a game you don't play, it can definitely get confusing. I think the takeaway here is that they want to make purchases with real money more meaningful while also providing a better efficient and optimized way for players who are earning in-game currency through 
completing in-game tasks make it feel like it's worth something. And it's, it's tough because the way that the Bright Dust system is currently set up, I know some friends of mine that have just j- massive stockpiles of Bright Dust because they never spend it. Whereas I end up spending mine all the time because I never get good drops in the RNG loot that is the engram system of the Eververse, which is an engram is essentially... <laughs> I keep trying to follow you. <laughs> I'm sorry, Tim. I'm sorry. This is how I feel when you get deep in the weeds talking about Pokemon. I get it. I get it. Um, but to essentially, this is a good thing and what it means for people who do have a lot of Eververse items in their vault. Uh, you want to dismantle the things you don't want before Shadow Keep so you can get the Bright Dust from them because we don't quite know what the drop rates are or how we're going to be able to earn with the new bounty system that they're going to be bringing in. Question. So, yeah. So uh, when Destiny 2 first came out, I remember people were upset that uh, the, the powers of the armor and the colors of the armor were tied together, so for you to be powerful, you kind of had to look like a Looney Tune, even though you wanted to look like a cool neon blue badass. Hmm. Is that still true? No, I'm not quite sure where that came from, because the shader system has always been very customizable, almost to a fault, that you can use an individual shader on a specific piece of gear and there's like the five pieces of gear so you could technically use a different shader on each piece if you wanted to but that was has never been tied to power Mm, Um, but the way that the shaders drop was tied to specific events like pvp has its own set of shaders Um, like the vanguard strikes have their own set of shaders Uh, raids have their own shaders for example and so like they wanted to incentivize players to grind in those specific areas if you were looking for a specific shader but then, like, I mean, don't get me started on a shader, like, rant right now. I, I mean, they, they've definitely gotten thing. better that they're still not where they need to be. <laughs> Why but, not? Well, because, well, personally, I would like the option to be able to select one shader and have it apply to all of my items with a button press. And I don't think that that's that much to mm. ask. I also would like to be able to pull shaders out of my v- collections and not have to pay for them every time. And now yeah. they've, they've reduced the cost of that, which is great. But at the same time, if I've earned it through a drop, particularly an Eververse shader that I paid silver, real money, to unlock, I shouldn't have to keep pay- <laughs> I shouldn't have to keep paying to to pull it out of my vault if I apply it because they've essentially made them consumable. Whereas before they were uh, essentially part of once you've unlocked them, you could always use them whenever you wanted. Mm-hmm. And now it's like if I apply this purple shader to my one gun, and then I decide to change it to a pink shader, if I want to go back to the purple shader, I have to if I don't have one in my vault, I have to pay to pull it Maybe out. Maybe that's what people were upset about. That sounds yeah. like what I'm talking about. Yeah. Hmm. So it was, they still haven't quite gotten that to a place where I think it needs to be, but. Does transmogging help that at all? Um, no, because the transmogging system is different from the, the color customization. The transmogrification system that they're putting in essentially allows you to take a the way a certain helmet looks and then apply stats from another helmet to it so that you can get the stats you want with the with the visual look you want. And then the shader is like a third layer on top of that. Wow. I hate this so much. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why people love Destiny because it's highly customizable. Do people love Destiny? I read online that game sucks. Yeah, Damn. that game does not suck. Clearly millions don't, of players disagree with you. Kevin. Okay. When, whenever enough. Kevin's doing his, his little, when you hear that voice, you hear that laugh. Walk the other way, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, it's yeah. not worth it. All right. Moving on to the next story. Uh, and I think Greg pulled this. Did you pull this? No. Nah. 
It must have been Greg before he left for Canada. Uh, the bloodstained progression bug. And so there was a statement that was made. So let me pull up an actual story here from our friend Matt Kim over at US Gamer. Actually, this is from Eric Van Allen. Uh, Bloodstained Studios says early bird players stuck on bug have to restart their game. There was an update because 505 Games released a statement. Um, so the original article reads, a patch for Bloodstained Ritual of the Night pushed out yesterday created some problems with key treasure chests already being open, stopping players from progressing past certain points. At the time, it seemed like starting a new game was the only solution. In an update from the Bloodstained Twitter account, it confirmed that to be the case. In a series of tweets from the official account the studio says it has been investigating an issue with the ps4 and xbox one versions of the game that occurs only when a new game is started before downloading the 1.02 update so uh, this update caused treasure chests containing key items like the silver bromide to show up in an incorrect state. Basically, the game thought it was open already and that you had the item from it. Um, so the, there was an update. Um, from 505 that says we have been investigating a PS4 Xbox One issue that is blocking player progress in the game. We apologize for this bug and thank you for your patience while we investigate. The issue occurs when a new game is started before downloading the 1.02 update. After the update, treasure chests will appear in the incorrect open closed state. Without the items from these chests, progress is blocked. Players affected by this bug will be required to restart the game with a new save in order to properly progress. We investigated a number of options to address this issue and each fix requires a new game to be started. Despite our efforts to provide a fix that preserves pre-1.02 progress, this is the best solution to avoid future issues. Mm. Xbox One players will also be affected by this when the 1.02 patch is delivered next week. Switch players who have a physical copy should download the patch before playing. So this is a bummer. This for, is for unfortunate. People. I was seeing tweets of people that were playing seven, eight hours in uh, having to deal with this. And that is so unfortunate. I don't think that there's any genre of game that this would be more frustrating to deal with than a Metroidvania. Mm-hmm. Specifically because if you didn't know about this news and you just get to this thing and there's a treasure chest that's already open, like, could you imagine being like, because those are the type of games like, I must have not looked somewhere. And you just right. keep st- backtracking, trying to find what you're looking for and you never find it. That sounds like hell. Yeah, it does. I, this is and having to restart the whole game. Oh Yikes. no, man! That this is bad, bad news. It's good that they caught it. It's good that they're acting on it. It's good that there's a patch. But man, this is you said it best. A major bummer. I think that it. The really unfortunate part is people don't necessarily look at the patch notes for why they need patches, or they might not necessarily think to download it. I would hope this is one of those issues where they could do a force push on the patch, um, kind of like a hot fix or whatever. Um, I'm not sure how that works with when you boot up the game, but of course, for people who've already started their progress, it's like a uh, wah-wah kind of a moment. It's going to take their experience of the game, too, and it sucks because like, they're the ones that have been waiting for this for years mm-hmm. to come out. Very sad news, man. I really yeah. This is another reason why I guess you. you're not supposed to play games at lunch. <laughs> That sucks, man. That's yeah. such a bad attitude, man. So we hope this didn't happen to you. But if you are planning on playing Bloodstain, obviously, please download the update. And hopefully, fingers crossed, you didn't um, suffer from this bug. All right. On to the next story. 
Final Fantasy VII Remake, new details, original events, Honeybee Inn, cross-dressing, and more from Matt Kim at US Gamer. Square Enix is on a media tour for Final Fantasy VII Remake following its big E3 reintroduction. The Final Fantasy Remake director, Tetsuya Nomura, even recently unveiled more info about the game in an interview with the Japanese press. Speaking with Famitsu, Nomura revealed that even though the first portion of the remake that's going to get released will only cover the portions that take place in Midgar, there will be side scenes new to the remake. In fact, it sounds like even though the upcoming remake release will only cover a portion of the full game, there will be enough added to make it feel like a much bigger experience. More dialogue options will be added on top of what was already there before, and Nomura says the sheer overall volume of dialogue has increased. Original events will also be returning, albeit tweaked a bit. Nomura said that the Honeybee Inn cross-dressing sequence will still be there, but modernized. Nomura says that if the facility was recreated faithfully... The physical unease would be staggering. So that was no good. (laughs) (laughs) Nomura even addressed some of the online controversy regarding the character redesigns for Tifa and Aerith by small online contingent. Nomura says that Tifa was designed to have abs as she is athletic. And that Square Enix ethics department reined in her bust size. That was a story I think that was going around like a day or two ago. People being mad that... Tifa's breasts were slightly smaller than they were previously. And also, I'm like, LOL, maybe that's not the hill to die on here. Yeah, Mike Drucker tweets, remember, if a game company changes something because of public outcry, that's censorship. But if they decide on their own to change a character's breast size to be more realistic, that, my friends, is tyranny. (laughs) (laughs) Or dare I would say, progress. Um, So, Tim. Yes. What's the deal with the physical unease would be staggering? So that was no good. I mean, it's essentially it was a brothel. And, you know, there was some uh, weird translation issues going on. And it's just a lot of weird, weird stuff that I would say is wouldn't wouldn't fly so much today. Didn't age well. It didn't age well. Mm -hmm. Culturally insensitive. Um or at, at the very least, it like it, it's it could cause some unease. I could see. Um, I am happy that it's still there though, and it's not just completely being uh, disregarded because like it is a pretty key scene in the game, and uh, in, in the early parts of the game, which the remake is very much focusing on right now. Um, I'm excited to see how they they tackle it, and I think. I personally believe they're making all the right calls with this game so far. I've been talking talking it up so much. My game of the show at E3 this year. Um, but even all of this stuff, the one thing that I feel they're not handling super correctly is making it extremely clear what this series is going to be. Right. Um, but even then, it's like they're they're trying their best to be transparent. It just comes off super awkward because there's a lot of translation happening and and no one's saying anything clearly um, when it comes to it. Like I, I feel like the biggest issue is there isn't a um, subtitle to this game. It's just Final Fantasy VII Remake. It should be part one or should be like have something to to have people understand that there's more coming. Do you think that they are intentionally not saying because they think it would be spoilery or do you think they're worried that people are going to be upset that they're only including a smaller portion of the game than they originally intimated? I honestly believe it's because they don't know yet. Really? With a release date in spring? Um, I, well, I, I'm talking about the future games. Oh, okay. They know what this game is. Like They're right. being very clear. It's up till Midgard. There's going to be extra scenes. I imagine, I would not be surprised if what they're saying here about there being extra scenes. We get some flashbacks that are in totally different areas. Um, or maybe some things that are they're hinting at the events that happen later in the game, um, but from a different perspective. There's a lot of stuff that they can uh, add 
that is later in Final Fantasy VII, earlier, that would actually think add a lot of context from other characters or just seeing little brief glimpses here or there. Uh, there was a Reset Era thread last night popping up of uh, people being like, hey, with all the information we have, like, can you imagine where the second game could start if they just cut out a little bit of content here and like started with this big major event that I'm not going to spoil? And I'm like, oh my God, that would be so hype, so, so perfect, such a great uh, jump on point uh, for the next game. But where does the next game end? Is the next game the end of the game or is the next game the middle of the story? Because that feels weird. Knowing the original game, I don't know how they're going to split it into two other games from a story perspective of having the rise and fall of action. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's definitely enough content for that, um, especially if they're making Midgar into its own thing. But um, I'm very interested in what this ends up being, but I don't think that they know yet if it's two games or three games or... I think it's it's the future games that are causing all the confusion because this game yeah. I feel like really understands what it is. Yeah, well, obviously they've been working on it for quite some time now. I think I find it interesting to think about where does it end? Like, how, at what year, what platform is Final Fantasy VII Remake over? Because of how much time they've spent on this, like, part one, you know, we can dub it. Like, how is it going to be, like you said, it's going to be two parts, it's going to be three parts, it's going to be four parts. How much extra content are they putting in? Is this going to end up being, you know, like triple or quadruple the size of the original game? I mean, I I truly believe that people are getting really caught up in the the zeitgeist of being like, like, wow, this game's never going to be finished. This game's going to be finished, fingers crossed, March 3rd, 2020. I, I feel like you could play just this one and it's going to feel like a game, a complete game. Right. Um, kind of like Infinity War. It's still a movie. Yeah, Endgame was coming after that, but like Infinity War wasn't. It had a giant cliffhanger, though. But, it was a, but that's fine, though. It, at least it was a complete movie. Yeah. People are acting like uh, this is a trailer. Right, but. You know what the, I mean? I, that comparison's tough because with Infinity War, we knew when we were getting Endgame. We don't know when the next part of Final Fantasy VII Remake is coming. Could yeah, be, but I mean, could be one year, could be four years. Yeah, but th- the same thing can be said about let's not use Endgame because we knew the date for that. But like, we don't know when the next Marvel movie is coming, but we know it's coming, right? True. And it's like we will at some point know when it's coming, and it's going to continue the story. I, I feel like we everyone would be a bit more at ease if they were straight up just like Final Fantasy VII Remake is a trilogy, and then people would be like, all right, cool. Yeah. Like that's what's happening. But them not doing that leaves this kind of vague. I just think that this is going to be a much more complete game and it's not just a part of a game. Right. They're treating this like it's its own thing and I think that each entry and whatever this ends up being, whether it's two games, three games, five games, I don't know. Yeah, it, apparently um according to Square Enix producer Yoshinori Katase they also don't know. Uh, thank you, nanobiologist, for dropping yeah. that into your wrong article over on Newsweek, which it looks like it's quoting uh, Kotaku, says that he can't say yet because, quote, we don't know ourselves. So <laughs> I was in the room when, when he said that. Um, they gave a demo. He was the one actually um, playing it um, for the whole intro bit. And he was, out and he was like, yeah, we don't know. We're focusing on this game. Like th- Those conversations are happening, but we don't know. And again, that's the weird thing of translation and uh, transparency, where at least they're telling us, <laughs> you know, that's, that's true. <laughs> but I like, mean, better I for them to say they don't know than to, to know and then lie about I it. I do think that we are hitting a weird point where we're so close to the next gen that there's a lot of stuff they can't say as well. 
So I think that like because of all that, there is a lot more secrecy going on. Like Final Fantasy 13 had a trilogy and that was all in one generation, right? This very well could be a trilogy, but it's going to be across multiple generations at the very least. Interesting. Yeah. It's exciting stuff though. Yeah. I guess if you're a Final Fantasy 7 fan. Even if you're not, this game's going to be great. I think this game's going to be huge for Final Fantasy as a franchise because I think it's going to spread out to people that would have never given it a shot otherwise. Absolutely. In the same way 15 did, and I feel like 15 like just missed the mark, but it did turn a lot of people into into fans. Well, I think for me as somebody who's looking in from the outside, it reminds me more of the Resident Evil 2 remake and what that did for people who exactly. never played the original, mm-hmm. right? I keep saying that like that was my 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 line of E3 is like this is the remake too of Final Fantasy 7 and that is the highest praise I can give it cuz remake 2 is my game of the year so far this year because it did something special which is it just made a brand new modern Resident Evil game. It just happens to be all the nostalgia and good things about the original game, just getting rid of anything else. And I feel right. like Final Fantasy VII is doing the same thing. All right. Well, we'll keep our fingers crossed, Tim. Um, the nanobiologist also dropped this. in uh, an article that is interesting enough. I don't know if I would normally dub this breaking news on a normal day, but on a day like today, um, <laughs> why not? So we'll go ahead and take a look at this is from Rebecca Valentine over at GamesIndustry.biz. She writes, Patrick Soderlund's $20 million retention bonus didn't leave EA with him. Last year, EA's then chief design officer, Patrick Soderlund, received a $20 million bonus to stay with the company. He left that August. At the time, with no indication to the contrary, it was widely assumed that Soderlund took the bonus with him on departure. But a GamesDaily.biz interview with EA CEO Andrew Wilson reports that this was not the case and that the stock grant was instead put into a pool used for various things at the company, including new hires. The interview also notes that Wilson and his direct reports declined performance bonuses in the most recent fiscal year, though it is unknown how much they would have made. Wilson reportedly made $2.5 million in bonuses for the previous year. EA's 2018-19 to 19 report saw both revenue and new income down, with executives noting that the company had been, quote, challenged by things that did not go as planned, uh. end quote. The same year also included layoffs at 50 of EA's Australian Fire Monkey Studio, layoffs of 350 of its 9,000 total employees in March across multiple teams, and of course the shuttering of EA's Japanese and Russian offices. Quote, I don't want to try to defend things, but it's the hardest decision you make as a leader, whether you're a leader of 10 people or 10,000 people, it's the hardest decision you make, Wilson said to Game Daily when asked about the layoffs. These decisions have to be made for the longevity of an organization who is moving through a tremendous disruption as an industry. And that is the end of the article. So I think that this is actually good news to hear from EA to know that not only did Soderlund not take that retention bonus, but that the other executives also did not take bonuses yeah. last year. Uh, I think that is a step in the right direction for the leadership to say, hey, we want to reinvest in this company. We want to steer the ship in the right direction. We've mm-hmm. had a tumultuous couple of years where very few people made an exorbitant amount of money off of the backs of thousands and we want to try to make that right or make steps towards making that right so cool 2.5 million dollar bonus it's just like oh hey what's up money yeah insane buy a nice leisure boat before we uh move on since it is a slower day 
two games uh, review embargoes dropped today. Ooh. So I want to talk about that a little bit. The Metacritic score for Judgment is sitting at a 79 right now. Pretty good. And my friend Pedro is at an 80. Nice. So good news for both of those games. Check it out. Do, do, do. Well, those games are out today, Tim. <laughs> so this is going to be a weird transition when I say, if I wanted to know what was coming to the Mom and Crop Digital Shops, where would I go? The official list of upcoming <laughs> software across each and every platform is listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily Show host each and every weekday. Out today. I can confirm, though, that Kevin did say, yeah. He did. I could have. Thanks for telling me how we screwed up. <laughs> I appreciate that, Kevin. I love him, and I hate Do him. you want to come and host the show, Kevin? Mm-mm. Please, like, God, no, no don't do no, that. No, I'm good, thanks. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, this is quite a long list today. Uh, we got Muse Dash on Switch and PC, Tormentum 2 on PC, Super Neptune RPG on PC, uh, Scrap Rush on Switch and PC, my friend Pedro, as Tim mentioned, on Switch and PC, 198X or 198X, 10, I don't know, cross. Mm. 1980X, mm, there I you imagine go. is what they're going for there. I don't know what that game is. Uh, PS4 and PC, Slender the Arrival comes to Switch, Underworld Ascendant on PS4, Project Lux is on PS4, Highball is on PC, Zero Strain is on PC, Bon Voyage is on PC and Mac, Steel Division 2 is on PC, Australian Road Trains is on PC, Duke of Defense is on Switch, Boxing Champs is on Switch, Main Lining is on Switch, uh, Secret Files 2, Puritas Cordis is coming to Switch, Line X is also on Switch, and Forest Home is on Switch, and hot off the presses, Harry Potter Wizards Unite dropped early on iOS. I have downloaded it. I caught my first hag in the kind of funny offices. I'm very excited to spend some more time in Wizards Unite and check it out. So if you guys have been waiting, check your um, Android or iOS store to see if you can download it starting today. And new dates for you. Uh, This little write-up comes from Polygon. Disaster Report 4's Journey to the West has been a long time coming, but the survival adventure game will finally make its way to North America in early 2020. Um, NAS America is bringing the game to the Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4, and Windows PC. The PS4 version of Disaster Report 4 will support PlayStation VR. 1980X looks insane. Oh, yeah? It is described as an over-the-top arcade action meets coming-of-age drama, blurring the lines between game and reality. Okay. We're Check taking a look at trailer. it here for audio listeners. Oh, I immediately gained Streets of Rage vibes. But now it's something called totally different. It's not just to shoot them up. Wait, are, are these actually old games that they're doing a montage this of? This is not just a racing game. This is not just a ninja game. I'm confused. This is not just an RPG. Whoa, old school RPG. This is the story of my life. Oh, okay. Over the top arcade action, it's coming of age drama. Wow, so is this like a mashup game where they take a level from a different genre from a 1980s style game and then make it into one game? I feel like I need to play this now. It looks cool. It does look super cool. Who publishes this game? 
looking into they it. They say that when you grow up, something well, inside no you dies. No reviews yet. Is this still the same trailer, still Kevin? Not sure yeah. If it's oh. Good or bad. Don't know. Because it's cool, Kevin. Child, High bit studios. And lights seem brighter. Everything is more terrifying. It's a Kickstarter game. More exciting. Hmm. At the same time. 198xthegame.com for more info. 198xthegame.com. It stars right, cool. Kid, a teenager who falls in love with the five games at his local arcade in suburbia, all of which exist as separate playable games within 1980x. Wow. Those games are a beat 'em up where you rid the back alleys of hoodlum filth and punk gangsters, a shoot 'em up about fighting a mechanical armada of automated death, a racer set in a moonlight drenched city, a 2D ninja game which looks more than a bit like Ninja Gaiden, and an old CRPG where you explore the lab- labyrinthian circuits of a rogue AI. Man. Interesting. That yeah. looks very ambitious and cool. All right. Look at that. Got a gold nugget there in out today. Um, well, I guess I shouldn't say that. I haven't played it yet. It looks cool. It in the looks trailer. dope, though. Um, looks like a perfect Switch game. Yeah, it does. All right, deal of the day. Insurgency Sandstorm, the smash hit indie FPS from New World Interactive, invites players to join the fight in the Steam-free weekend from today until June 24th. So if you've always been interested in trying out Insurgency Sandstorm, it's free this weekend. Have fun. All right, it's time now for Reader Mail. But before we get to that... We've got a few messages from our sponsors. That is true. Ladies and gentlemen, this episode is brought to you by Grubhub. Grubhub helps you find and order food from wherever you are. How it works? It's simple. You type in an address. We tell you the restaurants that deliver to the local locale, as well as showing you droves of pickup restaurants near you. If you want to be more specific, you can search by cuisine, restaurant name, or menu item. They'll filter your results accordingly. And when you find what you're looking for, you can place your order online or by phone free of charge, just like Joey Noel did. Ooh. Here we go. From the posh bagel itself. We got some posh bagels, baby. We got some bagel sandwiches. Ooh. Are these up for grabs? Yes, they are. Oh, well, yeah. I can't, like, eat a bagel sandwich right before we're about to go live. You gotta, you then gotta have, love. Then I'll have bagel all in my teeth. You need to learn how to live, Andrea, Renee. And with the power of Grubhub, you can do that anytime <laughs> you want. Grubhub gives you access to your favorite restaurants, reviews, and a 24-7 customer care team that tracks each order and makes sure you get exactly what you want, what you really, really want. Uh, the company's online and mobile ordering platforms allow diners to order directly from anywhere. So easy. You can get $10 off your first order of $15 or more by downloading the Grubhub app and using promo code KINDAFUNNY. You can get $10 off your first order of $15 or more by downloading the Grubhub app and using promo code KINDAFUNNY. Let us know in the comments below what you order with your Grubhub. I'm very interested. If you have a posh bagel near you, these are smelling mighty fine. I'm going to tell you that right now. It's true. Also, shout out to Brooke Linen. Making your home beautiful is the ultimate form of self-care. You spend one-third of your life in sheets. Don't you want to be insanely comfortable? I know I do. And I know I am because I use Brooke Linen. Uh, and now the warmer weather is here. Maybe it's time to switch up your sheets and duvets to something a little breezier, lightweight, and soft. What a fun word, duvet. You know, uh, check out our <laughs> check out the newest linen collection with a beautiful assortment of colors. These are luxury linen sheets and robes without the luxury markups. Brook Linen was the first direct to consumer bedding company, meaning they work directly with manufacturers and directly with consu- customers. No middlemen, just a great product and service. They have 12 beautiful linen colors and patterns to choose from. But I'm telling you right now, 
You should just get the blue ones. They're beautiful. Just the blue ones, huh? Just get the blue, baby. Uh, Brooklinen.com is giving an exclusive offer just for our listeners. Get 10% off and free shipping when you use promo code GAMES at brooklinen.com. Brooklinen so confident in their product that all of their sheets, comforters, and towels come with a lifetime warranty. Wow. That's a really long time. That's a very long time. Hopefully. it's a lot of washes. Hopefully. Uh, the only way to get 10% off and free shipping is to use promo code GAMES at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com, promo code GAMES. Brooklinen. These are the best sheets ever. And finally, Quip. Oh, I love Quip. It's time for spring cleaning, and Quip's got an easy way to start with your brushing habits. Just two minutes, twice a day, can help pave the way to a healthier mouth and mind. And now the whole family can get refreshed with Quip. The new kids' Quip has the same two-minute timer and guiding pulses as the original version. There's no childish gimmicks. They can brush their teeth just like a grown-up. The kids' brush is the same as the original, just tweaked and sized down for sized-down mouths. Built-in two-minute timer pulses every 30 seconds to remind you when to switch sides and help you clean your whole mouth evenly. Brush heads are automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just $5, a friendly reminder when it's time for a refresh and to stay committed to your oral health. I've been telling everybody about the tragedy that happened in my life. Greg, Greg, let us know. Where I lost my quip. It doesn't matter. I got another one, and guess what? It's already here. That's right. impressive. They ship fast, man, and I love it. Um, and also, it's just great having everything just sent to me with the toothpaste and the, even the batteries. Those AAA batteries, they just send me the battery. I like getting the, the little mini toothpaste that they send. It's beautiful. Yeah. You get to travel with it and hopefully exactly. not lose it. But if you lose it, not a big deal. They'll send you another one pretty soon. <laughs> Greg loves Quip. He uses it every day. I love Quip. I use it every day. Uh, that's why we love Quip. And Quip starts at just $25. If you go to getquip.com slash games right now, you can get your first refill pack for free. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash games. Back to the show. All right. Time for reader mail. Sorry, I was looking at these. Brooklyn and sheet colors. Um, you were talking about the blue, so I had to go look at it. Hobby. Let's see here. The first one is from... How about we do... Oh, I like this one. From Emmett Watkins Jr. Howdy, y'all. Thanks to Game Pass on PC, I've recently played Gears of War 1 for the first time and loved it. In fact, I adored it so much that I immediately hopped into Gears 2 on Xbox One because I wanted to play all the mainline games before Gears 5 this fall. My question is, has there been a franchise that you've ignored forever that you finally got around to only discover that you love it? And if not, is there a franchise you suspect will fall into that category once you do give it a shot? Thanks, guys, and much love. I have two very real examples of this. Um, They're a bit older now, but at the time, there was still a lot of catching up to do. Fire Emblem and Metal Gear Solid. Uh, Metal Gear Solid, it was right before MGS4 came out. And Kevin had loved 2 forever. Um, But I just never really gave him a shot. I played the demos and stuff, and I was like, oh, this is cool. But it just felt like... Especially just jumping in and seeing two. I'm like, there's a lot I don't understand. I don't know who these characters are. I, this is too much for me. Um, but going into four, I didn't even have a PS3 yet. And I was like, you know what? This is the time. I'm gonna, I traded in a ton of games to get a bunch of credit. Um, I really schemed the system. <laughs> it was a come up of the century. Um, but I got my PlayStation 3, and I knew I was going to get it with... I got the Metal Gear Solid 4 edition of the PS3. So before that, I was like, I got to beat every Metal Gear game. Uh, going into four and wow what a three weeks that was going from mgs1 twin snakes to two sons of liberty to three (laughs) snake eater and then ending it with metal gear solid four guns of the patriot wow 
Wow, what an experience, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. And then Fire Emblem. Oh my God, I played. Uh, I fell in love with Smash Brothers. Obviously, Melee introduced me to Marth and Roy. And I'm like, who the fuck are these guys? These these clowns with their swords. You know what I mean? They're speaking Japanese. What's up with that? Uh, looked into it a bit. I'm like, this doesn't look like a game I'd be interested in. And uh, one day, I, I got um, Path of Radiance on the GameCube. Um, that's the one that introduced Ike. If you didn't know. And I was like, <laughs> I was an idiot. This is one of the best games I've ever played. And then I went back and played a ton of them. And then they kind of got revamped on the 3DS and introduced in a very real way to the the Western market. I think people love it there. So those are my stories. What about you, Andrea? Um, for me, the one that stands out is Halo. I didn't get into Halo until Halo Reach. Because I just good one to play though. Yeah, no, I it's and still to this day, I think because that was my entry point into the Halo franchise, it remains my favorite Halo experience. And I think the reason why it took me so long, coupled with the fact that I never owned the original Xbox, but I didn't really play a lot of first-person shooters when I was a younger gamer. I was focused more on arcade racers and puzzle games and platformers and um, RPGs. And I just like the more combat-heavy games. I got really intimidated by. Because I had a lot of trouble with the dual sticks, you know, transitioning mm. from the controllers of the early console systems into the more modern controllers that we have today. I just felt really overwhelmed and trying to learn that and trying to learn that with other people, particularly in any kind of a PvP setting, was just like too off-putting to me. And so when Halo Reach came out, I sat down with my 360 and I was like, I'm going to force myself to learn how to play this first person shooter with the sticks. And it took me a long time and I stumbled my way through on the easiest difficulty study, but I had felt such a sense of accomplishment when I finished that game. To, and it really inspired me to go back and play the other games. And I didn't play much of them until the Master Chief Collection came out, but then when that came out, they just made it so easy. They just teed it up for you to play a lot of that stuff. And um, so that was a franchise that I really just kind of slept on for the first several years of it, but then thankfully went back and rediscovered just how amazing Halo as a franchise is. Oh, it's so good. Jumping into Reach is interesting, especially from a single player perspective, because I feel like that might be the best contained story right. of any of the Right, because it's the prequel story. Yeah. It's kind of like the Rogue One of the Halo franchise, mm -hmm. where it's just like, it's, we, we know how this ends, but like that's kind of the what makes it special. Yeah. Um, I Halo was definitely very important to me like even from the first game but I had the same twin stick issue with it where I, I came from playing GoldenEye so much and I was so used to, to that control scheme and then uh, those guys ended up making time splitters um, and that was a if not a launch game on PS2 around there and I would play at my friend's house all the time and I just couldn't wrap my head around the the sticks and then eventually we all started playing Halo and that was like such an, a moment in times being like 13 with all my friends like land party uh, with this game and like it felt like just so open like this was right around the time of GTA 3 as well where video games for the first time felt like you can just do anything you want and I remember we would like hook up our Xboxes and load up Blood Gulch in Halo and like not even fight each other just kind of like hang out explore try to like break the game like try to like get out of the canyon and just like have fun just being in the world that's just an empty map um, but I would use the control settings that was legacy Southpaw, which meant that it was inverted and, uh, your X and Y's were switched where that sounds like a nightmare. It was, it was horrible, <laughs> but it's how Goldeneye controlled. Yeah. Where it, the, the left stick would, would be you forward and back would move you forward and back, but left and right would make you turn 
left or right, and then the right stick up and down uh, would make you look up and down, and then right and left would strafe. And then I had that inverted. <laughs> and I'm like, yikes. How would I do that? And every one time someone would play with my controller, they'd be like, what is wrong with you? And then one day, about a year and a half in, it just, and I couldn't play like that anymore. I'm like, what's wrong? And then now I play like a normal person, non inverted. Suck it, Nick. Suck it, yeah, Nick. Yeah, Nick, suck it. Brittany also plays inverted. Yeah? Yeah. I make fun of her every time she does. We're always at these press demos and she's like, I got to stop and change everything in the settings. How do we fix them? You know? I'm like, nerd. My favorite story. We don't. You don't, favorite, you don't fix them. My favorite kind of funny story of all time. It's <laughs> a good one. And it, it, it's been told on these shows a million times, but Andrea, you might not have heard this. Please tell me. Nick Scarpino. You know him well. I do, unfortunately, yes. Unfortunately, right? Um, he plays inverted and uh, he also is not the biggest gamer. So, flashback to E3. Last year, two, two years, years ago, ago, doesn't matter. The Crew 2 was coming out um, from Ubisoft, which is what type of game? It's an arcade racer. It's an arcade racer. Yeah, open world, shared world. So, can you imagine the surprise <laughs> when Nick Scarfino asked the developer to invert if he the could controls? Invert game? The controls. <laughs> and the, the guy's just like, wait, what? What? And Nick thought it was like a GTA type game. Oh, <laughs> no. I just love it so much. They're like, hey man, it's a it's a car racing game. <laughs> Maybe do like the barest amount of research. I love it. I love it so much. Like a, just like just type the crew two into Google one time and oh. get like the the one image that pops up and you'll see oh, it's a car favorite, racing game. My favorite person. Oh, my favorite. The man. only other thing was when uh he did that. He I think he he learned his lesson from not Googling things before he went into play. Oh yeah, we're talking shit about <laughs> and you. He, <laughs> 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 He was he was gonna play. He was gonna play Detroit, so he Googled it, and a screenshot came up, and he was like, "Oh, okay, it's first person shooter." And it's like, "No, that's just a Detroit map in Call of Duty." Oh, oh no. let's make fun of Nick because he doesn't know video games. Why do you have a blindfold? What? It was just on the chair. I don't need thing. my sight to roast YouTube motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> I could do this with just my sense of smell, on, my sense of a, awesomeness. Hold on, I gotta take a photo of this. Nick, I, are you supposed to say something nice about Greg now? Uh, Greg's the best, and honestly, to be honest, this show is suffering because he's not on it right now. I'll just let you guys know. Wow. Where'd my phone go? Nick blindfolded himself, then <laughs> dropped his phone. <laughs> Now he's trying to find it with the phone. Oh, there it is. Oh, man. This thing smells like Greg. He's a champion. And he's the best Jesus, of us. Jesus. At what's the, what's the, the next today. question, Andrea? So the next question. Thanks, Nick. You can go now. Um, <laughs> you see your way out. Exactly. See yourself out. Oh, blindfold off, man. What from, okay, so Tim, from these two questions we have here, the yeah. one above and the one below, which one would you rather do? Um, I don't know. Jesus, you don't care? Get out of here. Let's go below. Stop. Okay. Uh, Two-Headed Giant writes in and says, What's good, KFGD crew? Lately, I've been playing classic JRPGs in my spare time, and some of them are just straight up impossible to play on modern consoles or mad expensive on eBay. Say what you will about the quality of Squeenix's ports, but at least they're committed to making old games available. Otherwise, I may have never played Final Fantasy X. So, what old classic games do you wish were readily available to replay in modern platforms? I just want to play Skies of Arcadia on Switch, dude. Have the best day of your life, two-headed giant. I feel like, unfortunately, my answer is the one thing that will never happen, and it's a ton of games with licensed music. Mm. So, the Tony Hawk games. I would love just a Tony Hawk collection, you know, with with all the songs, and that's just not going to happen. NBA Street, 
Volume 2. I would love to be able to play that on Switch. Can you imagine being able to play that on Switch? That's just such a good idea. Somebody, if you want to make a lot of money, you're going to have to spend a lot of money on licensing the music. Um, what else is there? Downhill Domination on the PlayStation. Dude, there's too, too, many, too many licensed songs. Too many licensed songs. Yeah, I hear you there. One of my favorite old games is Cruising USA. Thankfully, there's oh. there's still a lot of arcades that have like oh. the classic cabinets. but Dude. Here's the thing. The Cruisin' franchise. It needs to make a return. And some right? would say it already has. Cruisin' Blast in arcades now. It came out two years mm, ago. I don't three think I've played ago. that. It's, it's just a new Cruisin' game. But it's like, why aren't you just porting that to Switch? It doesn't make sense. It's a Nintendo property. Yeah. So, Port it to everything. Why not? Property. Um, I um, also was really into this weird PC RPG called Legends of Crandia uh, that focused on this like evil jester and I just spent so much time with it as a kid and you can get it I believe on GOG but if I could get it on console or on Switch even I feel like it would bring back all these old feelings. I actually recently started playing The Seventh Guest, the iOS remaster. Mm. Did you ever play The Seventh Mm -mm. Guest? So this is a very, very old school like um, adventure game that has these really f- like kind of funny slash weird um, FMV sequences. Mm. Um, so full motion video for people who aren't familiar. And that was a very popular thing to do in the 80s and 90s because it was a much cheaper way to animate. And so they have these sections where you're you're a guest in this house for this rich, crazy guy. And you kind of have to figure out like what's going on because it's kind of creepy. And there are these puzzles in all these different rooms. And I loved playing that. And then when they put out the iOS remaster, I was like, this is great. Where are the rest of the games from my childhood? Yeah. Life's hard. You yeah. Know what I mean? Kevin, you got one? Classic game you want to play today? I mean, here's the thing. Yes. It's Time Crisis. I want to be able to play Time Crisis, and I want a gun that clicks back like it should. You know? Yeah. All right. You know? I would would love that. And I know that we're getting close with VR games, but, like, I I think I'd I'd be okay with a VR game that that does that. That was that. Maybe there is something like that. You know that... but I want time. Crisis. I don't know if the market's I want the big time enough. Crisis collection on there on VR. That could yeah. be really cool. Even if the, it doesn't like actually like give you too much with VR, just so that you can have the controls, so you don't need to have even guns if it and was stuff. an arcade. Like if in VR it was, you were standing in front of the arcade. Wow, Kevin. Yeah, that's then, a good idea. You know, if you use the what the the aim controller or whatever, which Shooter. is the, the PlayStation gun, mm-hmm. where the this button, the one that is, I, I want to say it's L two. Uh, the, in your left hand, the trigger, that was to kneel down. Dude, I'd be so into that. That is a brilliant idea. Yeah, Why hasn't anyone done it? I don't know. A bunch of dum-dums being dum-dums, Yeah, you know? man. Get on it's it. Setting. I hate them. I hate them! Well, thank you so much for writing in with your questions. Friends, if you guys want to be part of the show again, don't forget patreon.com slash games. Real quick, um, while we're talking about light gun shooters... There's this one game. You know how everyone has that one game where you're like, was, was this real or did I just make it up sometime? Because I never, ever, ever hear people talk about Captain Point Blank. <laughs> I don't recall. I mean, Point I remember Blank, the movie. Point Blank, I remember being a, like, I when I was young, I associated it with PlayStation the same way I associated, like, Crash Bandicoot or Spyro. Where I was like, oh, man, this is a franchise that's going somewhere. Tactical no. first-person shooter developed by Zepetto, no, a no, South no, no, Korean not, company. No, it's not this. No, <laughs> it's pull, pull this up, though, Kevin. <laughs> definitely, definitely uh, not this. And why this, is that? Why is the robot so angry? This definitely <laughs> looks letter. like a. It's, it's, it's the PlayStation game. Oh, with the little weird burger guy. Yeah. 
Oh wait, real quick. This robot has a like a Mac, an like, apple sign apple on sign the inside. In it. So it's a beefed up. It's I guess it's on both. Here we go. Point blank. Oh my this god! The what the heck is happening? It's here? real, guys. Okay, so for people who are listening in on audio, the cover of this box art. Uh, well, at least the first one looked like a hamburger and hot dog version of Bert and Ernie. Mm. Uh, yeah, so imagine Bert and Ernie, oh, but God. like yeah, Bert. dude, you nailed that. Yeah, right? <laughs> can you, can oh, you man, YouTube this, this, Kev? Yeah, I'll look in there. Give me a second. Um, this, and, but like they're both holding guns. It was, it was kind of a, I mean, it, it was a, a light gun shooter. And it was a mini, gum, mini game collection where it was just like a bunch of like a shooting gallery. But it had like a really wacky aesthetic and like it was super like <laughs> they looked like those little burger dudes. But yeah, I, I thought that this was a much more important franchise than it was. <laughs> Made by like, I want hamburger oh. guy in PlayStation All Stars Battle Royale too. I mean, why not, right? Okay, now we're looking at some gameplay, I believe. So good. it's Namco. Nineteen ninety four. Time Crisis. Oh, that's a lot of stages. Indeed. Okay, shoot to select. Well, I like the, how the very hard one is on fire. It's got a little ring of fire around it. I freaking love the 90s. Oh, my gosh. What is... Okay, so we're corridor, and they, they have, like, cardboard cutouts coming out of the doors, going down the corridor. Skip forward, Kev. Yeah, just, like, a ton of just different things, and it's like huh. a party game where you're competing against... I mean, this music. Player. Anyways, there you go. I'm not crazy. Oh, wow. The game's real. It is... It's a real thing. All right, but now it's time to squad up. Ryan T. from Tennessee writes in and says, Hey, KF best friends, at E3 there was a stealth addition to the Xbox Game Pass with Astroneer. I've been playing the game casually since Alpha, but I've never gotten very far. So if you want to hang out in space and chill with another best friend, if you're new to the game or have played before, I'm looking for some people to play multiplayer with. P.S. I play on Xbox and Steam, so you can join or host games on either platform. His platform name is one last word excuse me one last word lost my breath there for a second just like it sounds one last word ryan t from tennessee xbox and steam i've never heard of this game astroneer Astroneer, Mm, don't know but if you have and you want to play with ryan t hit him up up all right play point blank with tim (laughs) you can't one day, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> you just gotta believe. Now it's time for us to check in with our friends who are watching live at twitch.tv slash games to let us know what we screwed up by going over to you're wrong, kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong to be exact. Let's take a little look-see. Um, apparently the nanobiologist says Point Blank was last released on Nintendo DS in 2006. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa, man. I feel like the DS had so many random games that like People just wouldn't believe actually happened. Like, did you know there was a Diddy Kong racing game on DS after Microsoft bought Rare? Isn't that weird? Not, not that I recall, no. It's real. Like, that happened. Hmm. Interesting. Um, Kebab says, Time Splitters launched on the 23rd of October, 2000, a few months after the PS2 launch in March earlier that year. Launch window. So, I guess that's just clarification on what Kevin was talking about. Um, what? I didn't say I was talking about it. Okay. Let's see here. Nanobiologist, you can't put questions into Wait, your wrong. Kebab's saying Time Splitters launched on the 23rd of October 2000, a few months after the PS2's launch in March earlier that year. So it would be considered P- the launch window. Yeah, but PS2 came out in, in October. October 26th. God damn it. Does he have if a I remember correctly. Of 1999? 
No, 2000. 2000. In North America. Hmm. This Which is, is where uh, Tyler came out. Are we going to You're Wrong, the You're Wrong? I don't know. Nah, I just, it seems like a lot of work. Let's just say he's right. <laughs> Let's just keep going. I'll I, look at I it. like that Kebabs <laughs> is trying to defend Nick here and saying that Burnout Paradise, you can tilt the camera up and down, which justifies an inverted option. Not that Nick would have been prescient enough to know that, <laughs> which is also true. <laughs> but would not justify asking to invert it. No. Um, let's see here. It yeah. says, oh, um, Albob875 says CTR Nitro Feud was playable on PSN. Not sure about uh, XBL or Switch. At 9 p.m. Eastern time tonight. I just want to high five myself. Oh, is that? Is October that be- 26, 2000 on the fucking dot. Good for you. <laughs> I think that's to add to out today, I believe. Is that what you meant, meant there? Oh, probably. Yeah, that would make sense. Exciting times. Let's Very exciting times. Mm-hmm. I guess that's. About it. The PSVR gun controller is called the PlayStation VR aim controller. Got it. We always get that wrong. It's true. Because it's a weird name. Oh, Kebabs updated and said he put the wrong date. That was for Japan. Japan. All right, and that's going to do it for your wrong for today. Thank you to everybody who participates in the show by going to patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames or watching live at twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. But don't forget, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames as well. There's all kinds of cool content over it's there. It's wacky, crazy stuff. And if you want to watch Internet Explorers, it's about to happen live right now on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. Or you can watch it later as a YouTube video or a roosterteeth.com video or an audio podcast. Will they be wearing pants? No way to know. The shot's too and that's going to do it for us today. Tomorrow's hosts are Tim and Fran. Fran Fridays. Oh, yeah. You want me to pin my stream one more pin time, that Kevin? Stream. Yeah, yes. man. You can join me starting at 5 p.m. Pacific time at twitch.tv slash GuardianCon for the GuardianCon St. Jude's charity stream. We're raising money for sick kids. There's all kinds of great prizes, you guys, including a Bahamas cruise what? is part of the stuff wow. that's up for grabs. So I'll have all of those details. You can follow me at Andrew Vernay on Twitter or check out our episode of What's Good Games that publishes tomorrow morning. And that's going to do it for us today. Thank you so much. We love you guys. It's been our pleasure to serve. Point blank.